0: and welcome to Dialogue. As the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken proceeds with his three-nation tour of Africa. The U.S. continues to secure support from the region for countering China and condemning Russia. Also, the White House has just issued its latest strategy regarding sub-Saharan Africa. So what is the U.S. agenda in the region, and what are the needs of African countries, and are they being met? And is the U.S. bringing competition with China into Africa to discuss these questions and more? I'm glad to be joined today by Anna Tangen, current affairs commentator, Hannah Ryder, founder and CEO of Development Reimagined, and Wang Jin, associate professor at Northwest University of China. That's our topic. I'm Xu Qingduo. Well, welcome to the show, uh, Anna, you know, let's take a look at the three-nation tour, uh, you know, even before that, uh, there are uh, U.S. officials in Africa, and also, you know, he uh, basically made out this, uh, mapped out the U.S. strategy, the new strategy, and the Biden government uh, toward sub-Saharan Africa. What do you make of his tour?
1: Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a repeat of what happened with ASEAN, what has happened, uh, uh in the summit of Americas. Uh, everywhere the Biden administration goes, there's this, uh, big issue about what's good for America and how you should side with it against, uh, Russia or China or whatever. Uh, but there's no aid. There's no plan. Uh, it's amazing, uh, that here, here you have State Department lifers who, in theory, should be coordinating everything. Yet Linda Grenfield the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, a few days before was there, and she was telling them, you know, you, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't buy you know, anything except fertilizer and, and food from Russia. And then Blinken comes and says, oh, we're equal. We're, we're your partners. We're not going to tell you what to do. So clearly there's some sort of misstep, whether it's because Biden is sick, we don't know. But this is a repeat of uh, you know items going across the board, Africa, South America, ASEAN, just not making traction in the Global South. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, well, Hana, you know why the three countries, you know South um, uh, Africa, um, you know DRC, Congo, and also uh, Rwanda. And obviously, I mean it's it's, it's natural for senior officials, uh, any country, you know, they go to Africa to win hearts and minds with a new plan uh, to be presented to the regional countries there. How do you see his trip?
2: Well, the trip was to present a new Africa strategy, which has been in the making for just over a year now. Um, And while I think the reception to that Africa strategy has been fairly positive in in the sense that it does seem to be a shift a shift to some degree away from the Trump uh, era type Africa engagement, uh, seeing African economies as much more important, talking about Africa as an, as an important um, contributor to global economics um, and the US state of being, as well as just being important in terms of geopolitics. So that's a positive shift in, in many ways. At the same time, um, and as other others have pointed out, other commentators have pointed out, since there is still a, a significant credibility gap behind that strategy. So, actually implementing and and you know kind of speaking to the kinds of ideas and, and kind of grand proposals within that strategy, uh, whether those really can be implemented, it's not really clear
0: hmm uh, Well, Wang Jin, uh, as uh, Hannah said, uh, you can almost see it, uh, you know, uh, clearly, like uh, uh, Secretary of State blinking twice very hard on one hand to say we are equal, we are partners, you know, we like to work with you uh, toward African nations. Uh, on the other hand, you know, he made it clear, like, I'm not here to compete, uh, you know, to target China or Russia. But at the same time, if you listen to his speech, uh, obviously, it... it, it he also targeted to Russia and China too. So is he trying to strike a balance here?
3: Uh, well, I think so. I mean, unfortunately I think so. I mean, it shouldn't be uh, the, the the target. Uh, for the African country, that China and, and the Russia should not be the, the targets for this country. It should be the very important cooperative partners for this country, for the region, and should also become the cooperative partners for the United States. But from the perspective of the United States, as you mentioned, although Blinken emphasized a lot of time, okay, we don't want to target China, we don't want to target Russia, but then he hinted, he suggested that, okay, you should do this to target Russia, you should do this to target China. This is a tragedy. I mean, this... Uh, actually, that uh, the United States is trying to bring the Africa and also, at, uh, like other regions, bring them back to the era of the Cold War. And that might be the very, very important strategy for the global geopolitics. I mean, that, is not, that will not benefit the United States themselves. That will not benefit the African people. That will hurt everybody in the end.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think uh, at least one thing you know, uh, he said that uh, obviously everybody probably would agree with, that is the importance of an uh, African continent. You know, to his credit, Blinken does appear to realize uh, the importance of Africa. You know, He said, by 2050, uh, one in four people on the planet will be Africans. Uh, they will shape the destiny not only for this Africa but also of the world. Uh, so I think this is a commonly shared understanding of China, right? Um, in particular, for big countries like the US, Russia, China, if you look at India, Turkey, for example, also uh, Middle Eastern countries like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, for example, UAE.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And in many ways, the US has been kind of late to the show on uh, really kind of engaging fully with, with African nations. And this strategy still talks about sub-Saharan Africa um, and there's a lot of inconsistency with that. You know, there is the African Union. There's the African continental free trade area. So the U.S. still has got to go some way in recognizing significant African demands. And I would even say that even with respect to that one in four quotation Many Africans will, of course, mention that, but they'll also mention, for example, that the Agenda 2063, which is the African Union Development Plan vision, sees the African economy being the third largest economy in the world by 2063. And also, and also, and at the moment, the African economy is the eighth largest uh, overall economy in the world. So, that, that is also kind of describing in a different way and describing just how much Africa is important to the world, how Africa wants to be, be right in the center, um, in a sense of the world. And I think the U.S. is still grappling with that. So this, it's a stage and it's an improvement definitely on the past, an improvement even on the Obama administration and uh, and certainly with regards to Trump. But there's still more to do. And I think there's still more to grapple with. And even the points around Russia and China, again, um, that inconsistency really is still there. So, so there's a lot more work to do.
0: Mm hmm. Uh, so, uh, Anna, do you agree with Hannah, so the U.S. realized the importance, but he's a late comer, for example, and also uh, there's a lack of consistency?
1: Well, you know, there's a real problem when you have a, a State Department lifer who uh, can't seem to express uh, the reality of, of Africa, which is not one country, it's not one area. There are di- very distinct areas represented by uh, very distinct uh, combinations of countries. And it's it's all he can go go there and do is say oh you're going to be important why don't you follow us you know I'm not going to tell you what to do but you should go against Russia you should go against China I mean this is becoming a very very annoying thing for his, to the African Union and um, in particular because um, that's where he's going to be he's not in sub Saharan mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he, he's he's in a situation where he's preaching but no one believes him. Uh, the credibility gap, the number of times that the U.S. has walked away from treaties, uh, what's happening in China right now with the, the three communiques. This is not assuring to the Africans who have uh, suffered under colonialism, under broken treaties themselves. So this is a reminder of the past. Uh, they do not like being lectured to about who they should do trade with. They're not interested in European wars that they see as you know, having been created by Europeans and Americans. Mm-hmm. Well, while the area of competition, obviously, um, if, if there's a competition,
0: let's say, you know, the um, uh, Western countries, the G7, uh, they uh, have this, their own plan to counter uh, China's BRI. Uh, Wang Jing, uh, remember last year, it's B3W, right? Um, uh, build a better world. And this year, recent G7 meetings, they have this new plan. They call it like a partnership for global infrastructure and investment, which is supposed to mobilize 600 billion U.S. dollars over the next five years. How confident are you that they will do it?
3: Uh, well, I think we are talking about different visions and different channels and the methods or different philosophies of the development of from china's uh, as cooperative co- uh, the 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 cooperation with africans and also the european and other western countries cooperation with african countries because from the western uh, western countries cooperation and channels and and the patterns with the african countries they make more uh, emphasis on the benefits the very uh, foreseeable emphasis, uh, benefits, maybe the more economic benefits, but from the perspective of China, we emphasize more, maybe more shared benefits, more shared future, more shared, uh, the, 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 the consistency in the future. So that means that we're ta- not talking about only the e- economies. We're not only talking about okay. how. Seems like a, uh,
0: the image is frozen there. Uh, Anna, what do you make of that? You know, we know last year this B3W, this high-profile, uh, you know, event. You know, a lot, a lot of talk about that, but they, it came to nothing, right? And then they have a new name for it.
1: Well, yeah, you can uh, put a name on something, but if it doesn't do anything, yes, it's the yes. same yeah and i and i i think my colleague agrees with me <laughs> Anna, <laughs> go ahead but. go ahead
2: and 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 i look i agree as well um look the 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 big challenge and i think it comes back to a point um a a point mentioned earlier is this is is this vision right so when we when the reason why the b r i initiative has been has been successful is partly because Also, when Chinese investors and Chinese state-owned enterprises go out to other countries, they see the potential, they see the the possibility of infrastructure, and they've seen that here in China, right? Whereas when U.S. or European investors go to countries African countries elsewhere, what they see is barriers quite often, and so one of the big challenges with PG, with with the new US initiative, um, the the PG two as it's called, um, is is really how to get investors to really think differently again, see what their opportunity really is, and and I think that's what I mean about that implementation challenge. Even if the government has a great idea and thinks that this is going to be good, you know, half of the time what they're trying to do is that, that 600 billion that is committed is really meant to be mobilizing the private sector. But how do you mobilize a private sector who are completely disinterested in African countries? How do you mobilize a private sector when 1% of your trade is with the African continent. China is only 4% um, with the African continent, but U.S. is even less at 1%. So these kinds of issues really dominate, and it's, it's kind of the reality of delivering that kind of program is showing itself, and it's not going to be easy. If the government is behind it, great, but it really needs to work very hard, and we'll have to put public money behind it, no doubt.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least uh, in terms of, uh, you know, presenting Africa, or in terms of uh, the description, uh, you know, uh, Blinken has left a, a, a deep impression for some people who said the note, the tune uh, is changing. Uh, for example, he said, you know, sub-Saharan Africa is a major geopolitical force. The U.S. and Africa will work together as equal partners. And yet too often African nations have been treated as instruments of other nations' progress, and time and again, they have been uh, told to pick a side in great power contests that feel far removed from the daily struggles of their people. And let's take a closer look. For example, you know Blinken's remarks. I think that's uh, a lot of people would agree with him that uh, African nations should not be pressured to take sides, should not be told what to do. But then, uh, you know, Hannah, I want to uh, have this question for you. As uh, as Anna pointed out earlier, uh, U.S. Ambassador to the UN, uh, you know, Lady uh, Greenfield, she said basically, I think in Uganda, she uh, said that, you know, your, connect, your engagement with Russia uh, basically is limited to purchasing of uh, fertilizer and food. What's the response from African nations? You know, otherwise, you will be, there are sanctions for you.
2: Well, the African position with regards to sanctions has been very, very clear, um, and generally a, a significant pushback against sanctions, uh, whether it is in this case and also in the past. You know, we know we have African countries who have been subject to sanctions, um, and those are very unwanted, um, and there's been, you know, key push in the UN in particular as a geopolitical force uh, to try to uh, try and remove those. So the African response, no doubt, to uh, Linda Grimfield's, um her, her, her points on, you know, if you go and uh, work with, with Russia on, on other areas, if you trade in other areas beyond uh, fertilizer and wheat, I, I think that's, that's very unhelpful. Um, and so, the, and I think we've even seen the South African uh, foreign minister also in her remarks kind of push against this idea of choice um, and the kind of paternalism behind uh, behind the, that sort of attitude um, you know African countries have a particular view uh, and of course it's not the same view across the african continent, um, but many have been very clear uh, in in various forums that this sanctions in particular are are highly uh, un, un, not a, a strong tool uh, for uh, international uh, relations and negotiations.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the uh, South African foreign minister uh, in the press briefing with uh, Tony Blinken. Uh, basically, you know, she made it clear that uh, you know, how African nations feel about uh, this attitude issue from European nations and other countries. Let's take a listen.
4: I'm glad uh, that uh, Secretary Blinken has confirmed that America is not asking us to choose. I don't recall... Uh, any attempt by the United States to do that. But in terms of our interaction with some of our partners in Europe and elsewhere, there has been a sense of a uh, patronizing bullying uh, toward you choose this or else. Uh, and uh, the recent uh, legislation passed in the United States of America uh, by the House of Representatives, we found a most unfortunate bill uh, that we'd hoped the media would say more about because uh, – When we believe in freedom, as I'm saying, it's freedom for everybody. You can't say because Africa is doing this, you will then be punished by the United States. So uh, that's been a disappointing uh, uh, passage of legislation by one house, and we hope the other house will not agree to uh, such offensive legislation. Um, So indeed, uh, it is important that all of us accept our ability to hold different opinions. We are, after all sovereign nations that are regarded as equal in terms of the United Nations Charter. We may differ in terms of economic uh, power and uh, economic ability to influence uh, development in different parts of the world, but what will make the world work is if we respect each other. This is very, very important. And one thing I definitely dislike is being told either you choose this or else. When a minister speaks to me like that, which Secretary Binken has never done, uh, but some have, I definitely will not uh, be bullied in that way, nor would I expect any other African country worth its salt uh, mm-hmm. to agree uh, to be treated.
0: Well, the bail mentioned uh, by South African uh, Foreign Minister Pandora uh, it's uh, named like a countering malign Russian activities in Africa act uh, which is seen as a vehicle uh, to punish african countries if they engage uh, Ru- uh, with russia uh, so obviously this is a this is a, i would say you know as a third party here you know looking at this issue this is unfair for example the engagement with russia beyond fertilizer and food the europeans are purchasing oil and gas yes uh, they are you know imposing uh, sanctions sort of on themselves say we are not going to buy uh, the oil from Russia from a certain point of time, but they are also crying for more gas from Russia. Chinese, the Indians, they are buying oil from Russia. Why can't the, the, the Africans?
1: Well, it goes back to this idea. I mean, since 2008, you, you can see some trends. There's an American uh, think tank study that was looking at alignment in the United Nations, uh, alignment with China, alignment with the U.S. Since 2008, it has been, uh, Africa has aligned 78% more with China than Africa, I mean, than the U.S. Why? Because China, as, as somebody once told me, they were talking to the Hebba state and they said, you know, I like it when the Chinese come. He said, why? Well, when the Americans come or the Europeans come, they give me a lecture on how I should run my country. He said, when the Chinese come, they give me the tools to actually do the job. So this is really what it comes down to, is how how can Africa be a sovereign nation if it's being dictated to by its formal colonial masters or by the largest power out there? You, you cannot get any more clear than what was just said by the minister. They are not interested in being pushed around. There is not, they're not buying into this, you're either with us or against us, uh, stuff. This, it it just doesn't make sense to them that a problem that occurred in Europe because of Europeans and Americans is somehow there, they should be punished for it.
0: Uh, well, uh, Wang Jian, uh, obviously the minister talked about the attitude issue. It reminds me of uh, you know, China's engagement with, the, uh, with African countries. You know. I think there is something special because both sides were colonized once in our history uh, or semi-colonized in Chinese uh, uh, point, uh, the experience. So you do, I, I think for the Chinese, we do have this sensitivity of how to deal with people with a similar experience, respect, being equal, and also, the Chinese, you know, at least from my experience, you know, people see African continent as a continent of hope, not a continent of despair.
3: Yes, exactly, exactly. Because, as you say, uh, that China and Africa, we uh, we both suffer the humiliation and the, the occupation, the colonies from the, some Western countries in the history. And, uh, also, if we look at the history, I mean, after, uh, during the past uh, half a century, China and African countries, we stood together firmly, hand by hand. To fight against the, the, the pressure and the hegemony from the West, we try to get our own self-independence and sovereignty and integrity. And also from the, economically, we, we close firmly together with each other and trying to find our ways out of the poverty, out of the, 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 the underdevelopment. And also, if we look at the culturally, I mean, especially during the recent years, much more uh, communication channels were established, and much more African students came to China, and also Chinese people go to Africa to 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 to, uh, to communicate with each other. So, I mean, what we are talking here is that uh, China can maybe we we felt that we we have already made a little bit of success in our country's construction, and China can do it. Why the African not do it? Africa can do it in the future, of course. So we hope to help each other, and we hope to continue to stand against, to, to stand with each other. So that's why we call the continent the continent of the hope, the continent of the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, besides the assistance, but also uh, investment assistance is also the inspiration. Uh, Hannah, obviously, this is uh, you know like African nations are. Uh, you know, given this choice, like or a pressure to make a choice, you know, uh, in terms of Ukraine conflict here, and I think Minister Pandor also made a good point. She said that you know, yes, uh, sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine should be respected, but what about the Palestine uh, Palestinian people? Uh, and he didn't mention you know what about like earlier, like uh, the invasion of Iraq. Uh, if there are fundamental international principles we should follow, there, is the, there, is, there should be a consistency, right?
2: Indeed. And I think, you know, and, and obviously for African nations as well, the second vote in the UN, which was related to Russia-Ukraine, where Russia was being expelled from the Human Rights Council, the only country that has previously gone uh, in that direction is Libya. And so that's also something very live for African nations at the moment and the kind of challenges that African nations have had to face. And as a continent to try and deal with that crisis in itself, um, in a way left to deal with that crisis, um, is also kind of eye opening to to what the inconsistencies and challenges are. Um, So I think, you know, for, for, for African nations, I think, look, a multipolar world, a world in which, you know, the US is saying, well, Africans are important. China is saying Africans are important. Yes, they do have very different visions. Um, and, and, the, but fundamentally what African countries, African governments are trying to say and what Minister Pandor was trying to say is we have our own vision. We have our own plan for where we want to develop. What we want is for our partners to come along with us and not to kind of, suggests that we must change our policies in order or, or, or to, you know, change the ways of our thinking in order to partner together, but to find ways in which we do so constructively. And I think, that, I think that that's a very important message, and I hope that Americans will be watching uh, what Minister Pandor said and really understanding it, because I think it's fundament very crucial. I think the, the, the vote of African nations in the UN around Ukraine was a big wake up call to both America and Europe in terms of thinking that you know African countries are just you know expecting that they might just say yes because they've just been easy like that before or something but as I'm always saying you know votes are more complicated than that and the situation is more complicated different countries have different interests and have been working with different partners over the last since two thousand at least to to develop and that's their fundamental goal so again it with this strategy if the u s really wants to make this strategy something that really hits and is continued to be welcomed. I think it has been welcomed, but if it does, it must actually deliver, become more credible, and also make sure that it's also persuading the public back at home that Africa is important, the African continent is important, African countries are important, and not just because of geopolitics, but just because of what Africa is going to be.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, There's an interesting uh, comment, actually, Uh, following this, uh, uh, the video of this uh, press briefing, uh, there's one, uh, one written by an anonymous, I would say, uh, internet user saying that, you know, uh, Lincoln is bringing a U.S. vision for Africa. What about, uh, you know, there's African vision, and the U.S. will find out where we can fit into, or China will find out where we can fit into the African vision, or Russia, or India, or other countries.
1: Well, as Hannah said, uh, Africa has its own plans. And uh, a long time ago, there was a book by Dan Bisa Moya called uh, Dead Aid. And it, it looked at, uh, you know, trying to impose a vision on Africa and how it had not worked. And I think that is still true today. At this point, I mean, Africa and China has not been a perfect match. There have been bumpy periods. But the difference is China is not asking them to choose. China continues to move forward with the relationship by putting money where its interests are, and mutual interests, and they keep expressing that. They keep having this vision of a belt and road. The U.S. has no such vision. It is just simply, you know, we'll tell you what you should do. Uh, this kind of patronizing stuff really should have gone away a long time ago, and it's unfortunate that the U.S., in the form of Lincoln, continues to do this, even though he says, I'm not going to do this, but you should do this.
0: Yes. Uh, you know, he said, like, uh, we are equal partners. We are not allowed uh, being pressured to choose. But then uh, probably, you
4: know, what but, it you know, does what, is There's different. something
1: desperately wrong with the message when you say you're a free sovereign nation. We're not asking you to choose. By the way, we want you to choose. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to do this. Uh, and also, hey, Wang Jian.
2: Not only that, not only that, ahead, yeah. even... Yeah, sorry. So
0: Hannah, go ahead.
2: Even even in the strategies, there's there's a major there's a major component which is related to democracy and kind of encouraging democracy and so on. Which again, you have to wonder whether that's really around how much, to what degree that really uh, mixes well with the sovereignty and the non-interference aspects uh, of a partnership of an equal partnership. Which is, you know, non-interference is a principle which uh, both China and many other countries of the global south have had since, uh, since Bandung in 1955. So um, yeah, I think there's, there's also significant contradictions there.
0: Well, uh, Foreign Minister Pandor made it clear like that, uh, you know, if you say here is a, a, our democracy, our style of democracy, this is good for you, copy it, and then that's the wrong approach. Anna.
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's so many different cultures out there, exactly. and I think yeah. Hannah has put uh, her finger on it. Uh, no, no one in this day and age is prepared, as you enter a multilateral world, to be bullied.
0: Well, on that note, we conclude today's show. Many thanks to our guests. You can also find us on the CGTN app on YouTube. I'm Xu Qingduo. Thanks for being with us. See you next time.